Hey there, it's David Papadopoulos, host of Elon Inc. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. Elon Musk is, on most days, the richest person on Earth. He's the co-founder and or head of no fewer than six companies, Tesla, SpaceX, Boring, Neuralink, X, and XAI. Of course, he also co-founded PayPal. He employs more than 100,000 people working on technologies that impact our day-to-day lives and could usher in our future. His influence, whether it's in space, social media, the automotive industry, or increasingly in geopolitics, is vast. Every day, Elon is making headlines. And so it can be hard to keep up with the onslaught. To help you figure out what matters, we have assembled a panel of Bloomberg experts on all things Elon to discuss and sometimes to argue about what he's doing in the world. Well, Elon Musk is now the richest person on the planet. More than half the satellites in space are owned and controlled by one man. Starting his own artificial intelligence company. Well, he's a legitimate super genius, I mean, legitimate. He says he's always voted for Democrats, but this year it will be different. He'll vote Republican. There is a reason the U.S. government is so reliant on him. Elon Musk is a scam artist and he's done nothing. Anything he does yeah. is fascinating to yeah. people. Hello. And welcome to the inaugural episode of Elon Inc. My name is David Papadopoulos. This is a brand new weekly podcast that will dissect the biggest stories about one of the world's most powerful and polarizing men. This week, we'll start with AI. In the last few days, Musk sat down with UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak to discuss the opportunities and risks AI brings. And he rolled out Grok, his answer to AI internet sensation ChatGBT. Meanwhile, other pieces of his empire are demanding his attention, as is the usual. The United Auto Workers Union president set his sights on Tesla just days after scoring an historic pay hike for workers in Detroit. The billionaire could face his most serious labor fight yet. To discuss this and more, we brought in Sarah Fryer, who oversees our coverage of the biggest companies in Silicon Valley. Hello. Hello, Sarah. Dana Hull, who began covering Tesla for us when the stock was worth less than one-tenth of what it is today. Dana. Good morning. And Max Chafkin, reporter, editor, and troublemaker at Bloomberg Businessweek. Hey. Hey, hey. So we're going to start, indeed, with XAI, and we're going to start with you, Sarah. What does Grok do? And vis-a-vis all the rivals in the market today, how does it stack up? Any idea? Well, first of all, first thing you need to know about Grok is, is none of the media has had an opportunity to test this thing. It is yet another chatbot in the mix, uh, much like ChatGPT or Bard or any of those others. Um, And this top selling point is that it is it is supposed to be snarky, irreverent, funny. Elon Musk posted on 
X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, where he asked the chatbot how to make cocaine. And he responded with, uh, you know, a joking set of yeah, it instructions. Was a, it was a good answer, though. It was a good answer. Uh, so, so that's kind of the vibe. And I think it's important to know that this is is deeply integrated with X, hmm. the social media platform. Right. But it is not part of X. It is a separate company, XAI. And this partnership provides the top selling point for this chatbot, which is that it will be trained on real-time Twitter data. Uh, sorry, X data. Yeah, so, yeah, they, 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 you know, I heard Musk spinning that as something that really will separate it from rivals. Is that... It will absolutely separate it from rivals to have that real-time information. Yeah. However, that is also the scary thing because, as we know, X can be a cesspool sometimes. You know, Max, one of the things that jumps out at me a little bit is when you look at the stock market in 2023 and what's driving all the all the gains in the stock market, it has largely, largely been AI, right? By one crude measurement, AI has added 20 percentage points to the NASDAQ's rally this year. Seen another way, you take Microsoft and NVIDIA, two leaders in AI, or the two leaders in AI, and they've contributed more to the gains in the S&P 500 than, than any other stock by orders of magnitude. So, so I'm wondering, is 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 he rushing Grok out now, uh, perhaps before it's ready, to try to tap into this storyline? <laughs> obviously, yes. Uh, he is obviously rushing Grok out uh, before it's ready. The uh, sort of press release slash website that they put up uh, notes that they've only had something like two months of work on this thing. They've, this, they've, they just started this uh, company really in the past few months. The uh, the website lists a lot of like very detailed technical information about Grok. It, it claims that there's cer- certain benchmarks. It's sort of holding up well against like the Facebook uh, version of ChatGPT, but maybe a little behind ChatGPT4, which is like the most up-to-date version of, uh, of the best one of these models. The important thing to keep in mind is like this as until people start actually using this, I think it's worth like thinking about this as vaporware or not even taking it seriously as a real product. The one tangible outcome of Grok right now is that it is the reason, the only reason to buy X Premium Plus because it is only available through X Premium Plus. So as a little background, <laughs> there are some... Right. Some tiers of subscription for X. Which is a new thing. Which is a new thing. This just started. Uh, it used to just be that there was a one premium tier, but now there are three. And the top tier gives you access to this chatbot when it comes out of beta. We don't know when that will happen. But that is that is one reason people are spending $16 a month or, you know, if you're buying from the app. So, Sarah Fryer, is this going to be the thing? Is this the silver bullet for X? X has been obviously struggling. It's a well-known story from the moment that that Musk uh, purchased it a year ago. Does this help X? I mean, every little bit helps. They're they're so desperate. They're trying to, like, sell usernames for money for, like, Mm. a few tens of thousands of dollars. I I think, you know, this is is a company that has lost more than 60% of its advertiser revenue. They have had a, a drop in users. They're struggling. They have mountains of debt to repay to banks. And... This is a, a way to give people something tangible to buy. So, Dana, he's got XAI. 
an AI company, and it's and 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 it's very interrelated with X. Um, but then, he, of course, he's got Tesla, where he's got a whole nother artificial intelligence thing going on, and that is truly like the crown jewel of his artificial intelligence. Right. Push, right? And, to, and to Max's point, he's always trying to position Tesla as being at the vanguard of what's next. So back in 2021, on an earnings call, Musk said, and this is a direct quote, I think long term, people will think of Tesla as much as an AI and robotics company as we are a car company or an energy company. And so, you know, he's part like Tesla's part of the Magnificent Seven because they're using AI and neural oh, wait, nets. So are, are we gonna we're gonna use the Magnificent Seven term? What is yeah. that? It's a Bloomberg <laughs> Index. <laughs> it's is, the I, seven I thought, most magnificent stocks in the world. Max. <laughs> oh, I thought that was like a finance thing that everyone <laughs> no, knew. It's like no, it's no. like the top seven companies in the. It's like Nvidia. It's like the AI companies. By the way, this four here, yeah. the Magnificent Four. <laughs> I know, but but in any event, right? So he's positioning it as. It's not just, right, it's certainly not just about the hardware and the software, but it, it, we are an AI company. We're on AI. So electric vehicles are becoming mainstream. How does Tesla differentiate itself? Well, we don't just make electric cars. We make electric cars that can drive themselves. Not really. Like, they've never actually accomplished that. But they are using AI to train the cars to try to, try, to drive themselves. And so... That's like a big promise of Tesla's valuation right now is that they're not just a car company, they're an AI company. And that's the the drum that Elon has been beating for years now. Hey there, it's David Papadopoulos, host of Elon Inc. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. Mentioned at the beginning that when you first started covering Tesla, it was worth a tiny fraction of what it is today. Indeed, a lot of that great valuation, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I think it's worth something around $800 billion. A lot of that is that whole AI play, that value, right? That sense that down the road, AI and what it does in terms of autonomous driving and all that is going to make this company oodles and oodles of money. Yeah, and they're using the same system to train Optimus, the robot, which is the the robot that is eventually going to replace the factory workers. But I think, it, you know, back to the point of X.AI, like, Max, is it even a real company? Like, do we even know how many people work <laughs> at this? So, it's I mean, okay, he does silly stuff. He makes a fool of himself. Very easy to make fun of him uh, for for the stuff he tweets or posts or whatever. That said, the guy has a lot of respect from uh, scientists and engineers, and there are real AI engineers who have who have signed up to work at this thing. That said, what David described and what Sarah was describing earlier about the company does not make like a ton of sense. So so large language models depend on like truth. And that's a, that's why like OpenAI when it was like figuring out how to build its model, it's right. scanning books, encyclopedias, Wikipedia, stuff that has a lot of eyeballs on it and is like known to be true because large language models even when they're based on stuff that's true make stuff up. Twitter, if anybody's X. been using X 
over the past few months, you know, during the, you know, uh, conflict in Israel, during the war in Ukraine and so on. It's it's full of crap. It's full of stuff that is false or made up or exaggerated or whatever. And it's gotten worse and worse. It's not the kind of thing you want to build a model on. The second thing is these open AI, open AI and so on, they cannot do current information. The reason they can't do current information is because you can't retrain your model uh, constantly. It costs a huge amount of money to to retrain these models. So the ambition to make this this grok or gronk or whatever it's going to be grok uh, to to make it like uh, up to date with tweets and stuff. If that were to come to pass, it would cost a fortune. It would cost even more. OpenAI, the best of these companies, is losing huge sums of money. If Elon Musk is able to do this, it will be very, very expensive. It, you know, it might actually draw people to X Super Plus Premium or whatever, whatever this like high end version is. X Premium Plus is that is that it? But it's going to cost way more than twenty two dollars a month. But is the thought there that you're losing money now, but your you know volume and and, well, and you're scaling and well, that down the road prices are going to come up uh, in theory, right? People, Microsoft and these big companies are able to extract value of it. When has losing money ever been something that Musk worries about right. when he's building something new? I mean, I, this, this, you can also, I always think, you know, with Musk, we have to think about is his psychology. There's a lot of history here. He was the the uh, person who started OpenAI alongside Sam Altman back when it was supposedly a, a nonprofit. He gave tens of millions of dollars to the cause. He was quite concerned or so yeah, he isn't said he, isn't about, he the, about uh, the, the artificial general. Right. In general, Sarah, hasn't he been one of the biggest voices out there saying warning of the of the dangers of right, AI and the risks? Right, that's what I was risks. just about to say. And, he's and, talked to world leaders about that recently. You know, he he's concerned about AI, uh, you know, replacing human consciousness. He he is on a mission to preserve human consciousness. That's that's maybe the reason he backed into for why he bought Twitter, whether or not that was that's something he came up with after the fact, I don't know. But but there's a there's a lot of a lot of existing tension between him and Sam Altman, who's now the the leader of OpenAI. OpenAI just had its demo day, like a couple days after uh, Musk release Grok. So I think there's some some competitive landscape that we're playing. Oh, in here. Elon is totally competitive. He like and he's got to be he's got to be he's got to be in the arena. You know, like it's not enough to do cars and rockets. If AI is the hot new thing, he's got to be in there. And if there's like personal history, he's going to go for the jugular. And, and they've been trading well, barbs. And yeah. And to answer your, your question, like it's the same as with autopilot, right? The, the Tesla uh, Tesla's full self-driving capabilities do not. The Tesla does not drive itself without a human yet. Uh, but the plan, obviously, uh, if you're a bull and you really believe in the stock, is that you know in the long run this company is going to replace essentially all of transportation. We're all going to you know have uh, robotic Teslas driving us around. It's yeah. going to completely reimagine the world. Same thing here, right? Like Elon Musk's stated goal, and and to some extent, I think the goal of the venture capitalists and so on who are backing similar companies is artificial general intelligence. Like we can we'll have software that, you know, can solve any problem for us. I think there are really good reasons to be skeptical, both of, you know, the immediate prospects of artificial general intelligence, even the long term ones, 
as well as the prospects of like full self driving. Like both of these things, but also the fact seem that closer than they are. That are warning us about the future of AI, and and Musk was among the right. the leaders that called for a pause in development for ethical reasons are also the ones that that are saying, hey, trust me. Right. So, so Sarah, he, it was just six months ago that he called for that pause and then he, he launches this. But I guess, what is his argument? Well, I called for a pause. No one listened to the pause. So the hell with it. We'll all... He just like signed a letter. Like he just was a signatory on a letter about a pause while he was building his own company. Like, give me a break. I mean, also the pause stuff, I think it's worth like taking all that with some skepticism just because like it's amazing marketing like I think this is true with Elon this is true with Sam Altman it's true with all these guys if you're like you're like this technology is so dangerous it could eventually like take over the world and you can have it for yourself for only $22 a month um, it's a really powerful um, enticement if you're trying to sign people up for a uh, technology where the use cases are not totally clear like beyond making funny posts on social media. It also makes it seem inevitable, right? And all these ethical concerns, misinformation concerns, things that are wrapped into AI are are just, you know, they're going to happen no matter what, and they're everyone's problem, and, and that takes accountability away from the people who are building it. So, Sarah, so he also recently sat down with Rishi Sunak, the prime minister of the UK, to discuss AI. How did that conversation go? What did, uh, did, did we learn anything new from this, from this long sit down with Rishi Sunak? Well, it was great for Elon. I think I think Sunak was was quite excited for the opportunity, as yeah. as some people are when you know, when they're in Elon's orbit. I think you got to keep him close, and and you never know when. The, the fun thing about Elon Musk is he's involved in geopolitics. He's involved in right. in every industry, and so love him or hate him, you got to be friends with him in some respects. I thought it was really interesting. He he. <laughs> Who knows what he truly believes here, but he, he said that that eventually jobs won't be necessary. There will come a point where no job is needed. You can have a job if you want to have a job for sort of personal satisfaction, but the AI will be able to do everything. We won't have jobs. He he praised Sunak for involving China in the in the AI future conference said that, you know, we need to be thinking about their role here, too. But yeah, I think I think, you know, he's been doing this sort of world tour. I think that he wishes. Right, he recently met with uh, Israel, Israel's prime minister, Bibi Netanyahu. Before the conflict, right, of course. Met with uh, Erdogan from Turkey. It's a long, long list. He was list. part of the panel, the Schumer right. AI panel. And and I, I think I think honestly, he wishes he had the same reverence from Joe Biden, I think that that is that is one takeaway that I heard from a lot of the Elon fans. Like, oh, man, I wish I wish Joe Biden looked at Elon right. Musk the way. It's the same way. <laughs> All right. So, so before we before we talk unions and cars in a second, I want one last question on this, which is for you, Max. So the Labor Party in England uh, has in, has indeed been on Rishi Sunak's case for saying how that he was so effusive in his praise and excited to be there. It seemed like he was angling for his next job post premier prime, prime ministership. So I guess it would basically be like he would be trying to be pulling a, a Yaccarino, as it were, right? Where you, <laughs> where Alinda like, Yaccarino, where you interview should... Musk on route to landing a job. Yaccarino, Rishi, by the way, who's the CEO of X The CEO now. of X now, after she had interviewed Musk uh, on stage uh, a few months back. So if he pulls this off, Max, what job does Elon Musk give Rishi Sunak? 
Well, first of all, he should call Linda Yaccarino before he, you know, follows through with this plan. Because, like, I know officially Linda Yaccarino is really excited about sports on Twitter and is really excited about everything about X and everything. Pumpkin but spice lattes, this, this job, she loves everything. This is not a good job. And and so, Rishi, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, just I want you to think about it carefully. Uh, that said, I think the boring company, uh, <laughs> you know, Elon Musk is not gonna. It, it, you're not gonna. You're not talking one of the primo jobs, I'd say, in the Elon verse. You're talking about sort of a a lower level job. Then again, he, he was a, a chief executive, so I yeah. think a CEO role, role would be uh, <laughs> okay. would be appropriate. So I'm going boring. CEO of boring. Also, tunnels infrastructure kind of yes. kind of in line yes. with uh, for someone. England who's... has a tunnel, right? Yeah, to, to there's a good, tunnel. Good. <laughs> a channel, a very nice channel. I like that. I think that's a good call. That's that's one to watch. We will we will keep an eye on <laughs> on that going forward. Hey there, it's David Papadopoulos, host of Elon Inc. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. Welcome back. Okay, so Dana, on the home front, Musk has an issue looming on the horizon, which is uh, the fact that Sean Fain, the leader of the UAW, the United Auto Workers, has targeted Tesla and said he's coming for Tesla after scoring historic gains, wage gains for auto workers at Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis. He says he's coming for Tesla. Here's Fain in his own words. For weeks, we've seen an army of analysts and pundits crying that our union was going too far, that we were demanding too much. They said they weren't sure if we would ever get a deal. And then we got all three. So Dana, who exactly is Sean Fain? What does he represent? And does he stand a chance at actually organizing labor at Tesla, something that has failed time and again in the past? So Sean Fain is the new face of the United Auto Workers. He's this kind of like militant, you know, and I don't say that in a disparaging way, but like he's this like new militant head of the UAW. He just won this historic victory in Detroit after six weeks. And now he's going to try to organize everywhere. And there are a lot of auto plants in the United States that are not union. It's not just Tesla. It's like everywhere in the South, like, right. you know, Volkswagen, Toyota, Nissan. They all have these plants that are not unionized. And I think the UAW just has to be really strategic. They just won this huge victory mm-hmm. in Detroit. Where are they going to where are they going to organize next? And of course, they're going to say we're organizing at Tesla. I mean, they're going to organize everywhere. But I think what will be interesting to watch is where do they actually put in the resources to develop a real campaign I think that they would have a much easier time trying to organize a plant where they where they had like at least gotten to a vote before. At Tesla, they've never even gotten to a vote. So, so what would some of those plants be where they've had votes? Some of them in some of the plants in the South. Yeah, plants in the South, so, okay. like Volk, like I mean, Volkswagen's plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee, comes to mind. So, like organizing a campaign, it's like a long process. You need to get like multiple workers on multiple shifts to all be pro-union. And they don't have that at Tesla right now. Like we reported a couple of days ago that mm. there's an organizing committee at Tesla 
Okay, that's great. But like in order to have like a union, you need like, I mean, Tesla, the the Fremont plant employs 20,000 people. You need like thousands of people to be very pro-union in order to ever get the momentum to get Mm -hmm. to a vote. Like when they tried last time in 2018, it was like it was like a handful of people. It, like it never progressed. It like fizzled out. And, it never got to a vote. And so, and, yeah. So, t- so tell me this. So when when Elon has, has has pushed back and he's pushed back hard on unions and he's been successful in in the vast bulk of his plans, what is his argument? What does he say? I am able to do for these workers that they can't get from from a union. So Elon's biggest argument, and I think it's a very powerful one, is equity. Like everyone who works at Tesla gets equity in the company. Stock. Stock. The executives get stock options. The regular employees get RSUs, which are restricted restricted stock units that vest typically over a four-year period. And then every employee can also buy stock at a discount, 15% discount through the employee stock Mm -hmm. purchase plan. That is a powerful lever. And a lot of people, frankly, see the UAW as being corrupt and like out of touch with what they want. And I mean, there, there's some legitimacy to that. Like the former UAW pres- president went to prison for embezzling union funds. And like Elon will bring that up time and time yeah. again. And so I just think Sean Fain is going to face an uphill battle trying to organize Tesla. They will certainly try. But there are a lot of non-union plants in the United States. Max, this is a very different moment for labor than it was back in 2018 in some of those previous episodes. I mean, to be clear, coming out of the pandemic and history actually shows the long arc of history dating back centuries shows labor has a tendency to rise up after pandemics. This has always been the case. And so it's just an interesting time. Uh, yeah. P- p- perhaps it won't prove quite so easy. So a couple things going on that are worth keeping in mind. One is like the equation may have changed for for a Tesla worker in Fremont. So with this big pay increase, 25 percent uh, for for Detroit auto workers. Right. right. Maybe the maybe the union package or, or like the comparative advantage of working for Tesla is not quite what it was as in 2018. The other thing is Tesla cannot grow forever. Right. In 2018 is very different company. It was at, right at the at the beginning of the of the Model 3 production. Mm. It, it had a lot of sort of new stuff ahead of it. At the moment, you know, Tesla's worth around $700 billion um, with a lot of sort of futuristic Elon Musk, uh, you know, fairy dust assumptions uh, kind of baked into the stock. It's also been relatively flat over the last year. And then the other thing is we have seen a lot of success by labor unions kind of targeting companies like Tesla. And and so so think about the the efforts to unionize Starbucks, which for a very long time mm. was this kind of left-leaning sort of comp- much admired company, admired by a lot of uh, liberals that now has, you know, found itself kind of in the crosshairs of organized labor. The same u- labor union uh, Workers United that went after Starbucks is has is making an effort to unionize Tesla's Buffalo plant. So so there's actually a lot of stuff happening here. And the the last thing I'll say that I think is significant is you know Joe Biden got on the picket lines at uh, during the UAW strike, and there's a real there, there's like a, a potential for a political risk to Tesla where you have on one hand Elon Musk kind of tacking to the right, sort of going on X and 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 palling around with you know Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron. 
DeSantis. And lately, uh, most recently, I think mm. he was tweeting some sort of stop the steal adjacent uh, videos. And and you have the Democratic candidate, you know, sort of si- going around saying I'm siding with unions and so on. You know, the Bay Area politics have changed a little bit in the Bay Area, maybe over the past few years. But it is a left leaning, uh, you know, it's a left leaning area. And, and if this becomes super politicized, that could also affect um, Tesla's ability to keep its workers from forming a union. But to but Musk can also shift production. So he also has a huge plant in Texas, which is right. a right to work state. So like I just sort of feel like it's a risk to the Tesla workers. Like, okay, they try to organize the union, then Elon can be like, you know what? Like, forget it. Like I'm gonna shift production to the South. I've got this new plant in Mexico. Like there's risks sort of all around. But you know, I think what Tesla lacks right now is Christian Smalls, the like famous Amazon employee who like organized the Amazon union. Like, I don't know who that is at Tesla. Is is it Sean Fain coming from Detroit to like try to organize or is there like someone internally who's going to like rise up and be that worker? Like, I just think that organizing works best when it's internal. The UAW has never been able to penetrate that plant. And yes, they will try again. But I just still think the odds of success are long. So, Dana, but in Europe, uh, he actually faces some labor pressure there, right? In Sweden and in Germany, yeah. And in general, those pressures in Europe uh, and any wage pressures that may may bubble up here in the U.S., they come at a slightly tricky time for Tesla in the sense that margins are shrinking right now. Profit margins are shrinking at Tesla. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is a great time for labor to make its move. No doubt. And they will. And in Europe, like the trade unions are very powerful. So the trade union effort in in places like Germany, they do have levers and they can push and and like, you know, Tesla will probably raise wages to to accommodate that. But in the United States, like I think we have to be honest that like the cage match that we really want is Sean Fain versus Elon Musk. That's what everyone is gunning for. Like, you know, the Zuckerberg thing is never going to happen, but people want Sean Fain to come. They they really want, people want to see what this looks like because... Well, breaking my heart, But if we don't think that it's going to happen, then I think that the the biggest takeaway is what is this going to do to Elon's... If there is a a war declared, Sean Fain versus Elon Musk, he's going to take that really personally. I mean, Sean Fain has said that he doesn't think billionaires should exist. He has he has a lot of feeling around that. And we could see that come and impact his policies for the 2024 election on X. Um, he's already, as Max said, cozied up to some of the far right and the conservative candidates. This is something that he has now power over this megaphone that may... Oh, yeah. He could shadow ban the UAW tweets. I mean, he could do all kinds of things. I mean, you know, who knows what he'll do, but I do think that we need to think of all of these things in the context of his new power over the conversation ahead of a major presidential election. Yep. Okay. So we have a very pro-union president in the White House. We have Elon Musk, who's always been a libertarian and tacking further to the right. We have this labor moment and the rise of Sean Fain and Sean Fain setting his sights on Tesla. Max, what does all this mean for the election one year from today? All right. So here's my sort of take on what's going through Elon's head and like why he's you know doing the things he's doing politically. Like if you're wondering why Elon Musk, who maybe 10 years ago you thought of as a like Obama adjacent kind of left of center uh 
Silicon Valley solutionist, you know, kind of like a green capitalist who's building solar panels. Like, why is he suddenly tweeting about voting machines in Georgia and, you know, complaining about like transgender rights? And it's because it's partly because of this union thing. It's because he's he's dealing with political headwinds that are new. And and Joe Biden, after getting elected president, really embraced Detroit and these union shops, even around electric cars. Elon Musk felt kind of squeezed out of that. And I think both on a on a personal level, like felt kind of like offended that the Democrats like weren't thanking him more for for all the work he'd done to popularize well, green technology. Well, to be clear, and on a political level. But yes. to be clear, I mean, Tesla absolutely positively does dominate the EV space in this country. 100 percent. Right. And so so maybe his aggrievement was was justified. But but you got to also just look at the political reality, which is that the Democrats consider organized labor an important constituency. Um, and Elon Musk has set himself kind of opposed to that. And I think as you've seen Biden kind of, you know, move closer um, to to Detroit and and to the UAW, you're seeing Elon sort of embrace, you know, right wing causes and and in particular Republican candidates. You know, initially it looked like he was going to maybe be a DeSantis supporter. Then DeSantis's like political prospects haven't looked totally great if you're following the polls lately. He sort of tweaked, uh, uh, you know, pivoted to Vivek Ramaswamy. That's mm. not looking so good. And lately we're seeing, you know, Donald Trump, the the likely Republican candidate. And I think Elon is right now trying to find his way, you know, back into, into you know, the good graces of MAGA. Because, of course, um, for a few years there, they, there was a little bit of estrange, estrangement between Elon world and Trump world. Even though he's been on the record in Walter Isaacson's book saying he compared Trump to a con man. Yeah, I think it's a good bet that Trump has not read that. Um, and I think it's that a is long certainly Elon's bet. Okay, so we have our final segment. Uh, we are we're going to be bringing this back periodically. We're calling it Cage Match Watch. And, you know, Dan uh, tried to give us this whole thing, a Sean Fain, Elon Musk. That's not the cage match. <laughs> the cage match we're all waiting for, and it's going to happen. Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg. Max, there have been some developments. Well, you, as you know, David, I have done a lot of analysis, a lot of careful thinking on this. And you also know that I am an Elon truther. You know, I say conventional wisdom says that Mark Zuckerberg, who trains with, you know, famous mixed martial arts fighter, he looks kind of jacked when you see pictures of him with his shirt off, that he is a shoe in to win. I've argued, as you know, that Elon is very big. He's got a long reach. He, you know, he's like six foot four or something around that. 240, 250 pounds, you know, he's going to have a big advantage. But I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and I have an update, a strategy update to share about Elon, which is that I don't think he knows what he's doing. There were long stretches in this podcast. But, wait, wait, but he's a lifelong brawler. I mean, the reason he, why I'm coming around to, to Musk a little bit, which I was initially skeptical of, he's been fighting for decades. He's, he's, yes. He said he's got a PhD in street fighting. <laughs> um, he uh, there was like there were these long sections. Everyone should listen to this. It's very important. Uh, everyone, stop what you're doing right now. Pull your car over. Listen to 45 minutes of Elon and Joe Rogan talking about this. But um, there are no. long sections of of. Uh, discussion around moves and and I got to say <laughs> Elon Musk did not sound very confident right. or well informed on the tactics it's of jujitsu or it's any fine. other mixed but martial. it's fine in the in the heat of the moment he's in the ring he's just it's just gonna he, that 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 street brawler in him is just gonna come out there's another development Sarah like what happened to Mark Zuckerberg 
tore his ACL, just got surgery, <sighs> which is which is kind of interesting because Musk said that he might he need to get surgery to strengthen his neck, which is, I don't think that's what surgery does. <laughs> he said that but he's you're not a doctor. <laughs> I, you know, that's true. Yeah. I don't want to spread misinformation on this podcast. These men spend millions of dollars on personal physical security. <laughs> they have they have like former Secret Service agents mm. following them around. And yet they're putting themselves in physical danger all the time. This is true. The only security these guys need are their own fists. <laughs> all right. That's it. Enough of the cage match talk. Let's call it quits. Thanks for listening to the first ever episode of Elon Inc. And thanks to our contributors, Max, Sarah, Dana. My pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Our supervising producer is Magnus Henriksen. This episode was produced by Stacey Wong. Naomi Shaven and Rehan Harmansi are our senior editors. The idea for this very show also came from Rehan. Blake Maples handles engineering, and we get special editing assistance from Jeff Grocott. Thanks a bunch to Business Week editor Joel Weber as well. The Elon Inc. theme is written and performed by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura. Sage Bauman is the head of Bloomberg Podcast and our executive producer. I am David Papadopoulos. If you have a minute, rate and review the show. It'll help other listeners find us. See you next week. Hey there, it's David Papadopoulos, host of Elon Inc. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube.